want to talk about a holy discontentment for a few moments. A holy discontentment. The Bible said, All the commandments which I command thee this day shall you observe to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee, to prove thee, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or no. And he humbled them and suffered thee to hunger. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna which thou knowest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceed out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Thy raiment waxed old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these forty years. Thou shalt all consider in thy heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. Note again in verse 3, And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger. He humbled them and suffered them to hunger. Why? So he could feed them something that nobody else had ever been fed. Manna from above. I remember Several years ago, many years ago now, I guess since my dad died, I've kind of reminisced a lot about home and growing up. Good times and bad memories, I guess, but there, it's been a, a good stroll down memory's lane. I remember one day coming home from work, and mom came in late from work, and dad sometimes didn't come in too late at night, and I was so hungry. I was waiting for one of mom's great meals. I was looking forward to some homemade spaghetti and salad and garlic bread and some iced tea or one of her famous pot roasts with carrots and potatoes and peas and coleslaw and, and uh, some buttery, uh, buttery uh, uh, rolls. Or when you've not lived, you've had a big old bowl of soup beans, pinto beans and chow chow and onions and cornbread and a great old big glass of buttermilk. Man, all of that sounded good. And here Mama came home that afternoon or that evening carrying a little bag with two hot dogs in it. And she said, I'm tired. And I was appreciative of those hot dogs, and I like hot dogs. And I loved it, and I was grateful for it, but I shared what I ate those things, and I was not satisfied at all. I wanted something more. And I think many of us might be able to relate to that tonight, spiritually speaking. We want something more. We go to church and we listen to the sermons and we know what's expected of us and, and we adhere to the doctrine and, and we, every time the doors open we're there. But like me with that hot dog, I want something more. And many of us, we simply want something more. Uh, the hot dog did not crave the hungry. We want something more substantial, something more powerful, something more meaningful, something that scratches the itch within our spiritual hide tonight. I believe with all of my heart that uh, many of us are probably more successful in business than we thought we'd ever be. Some in this room, you probably spend more quality time with your family than you ever have. And maybe you're more committed to God than any time in your history of your life. And maybe you attend church more frequently than you ever have before, but there's still something missing. 
there's still a longing deep on the inside that you have not been able to find out exactly what that is that you're waiting on tonight. Maybe we're attending a thriving church, but we're still, uh, we, we, we find that there's some restlessness in us. We're sick of the status quo. Why? There is something calling deep, deep on the inside. There's, a, there's that haunting hollowness inside of us that's hungry for something that's missing within our lives. And you know, anybody out there besides me you know what I'm talking about? There's something that's missing. It's not that we don't love Jesus. It's not that we don't love the church. It's not that we don't read His Word. It's not that we don't rely upon His Spirit. It's not those things at all. It's that, but there's still something missing. There's something more deep down within our heart, deep down within our spirit that we're longing for tonight. It's that really something more that we're after. Many of you may have remembered Ken Hatfield. He was a football player for the University of, of um, Arkansas, I believe it was. And uh, uh, he went on to coach it. But back in 1964, he was a player for the University of Arkansas. And uh, they were playing in the state national championship, rather than the state, but the national championship against the University of Nebraska. And he had always dreamed of being in that position on the football team and his, his team in the playoffs. And there he was. They were going up for the national championship. And sure enough, they played. And they beat Nebraska that year. And everything he had dreamed of, everything he had worked for, everything that he wanted to accomplish, it was there overnight, seemingly. And he has paid a lot of dues for it. But in the Billy Graham crusade, he talked about that one time, and he said, here it is, everything I've dreamed about. When I turned to the newspaper the next day, and I saw the University of Arkansas national champions beating uh, the, uh, the state uh, uh, of Nebraska University. And he said, it was during that particular time. He said, at that particular moment of my greatest achievement, I was so depressed. He said, my God had died. My God had died. So often we throw ourselves in to try to uh, achieve a career or achieve a personal goal or to achieve some academic goal. And yet when we give everything we got to go for that and we finally, we see it's in, in reach of our hand, in reach of what we want, and all of a sudden we feel that let down. No wonder the Bible said a man's life consists not of the abundance of the things which he possesses. Many people tonight, I believe that they uh, have a certain amount of financial security as well. And yet we want to say, but of all the money we may have and all we aspire to have, uh, there's something more that we want deep down within our heart. Sometimes our greatest personal fulfillments that does not scratch that itch. It does not help what we're wanting. I know that we love relationships. God made us to be relational. He said it's not good that man would be alone, so he made a helpmate. And men and women come together as husband and wife. We have friends that we fellowship with. We have family members that we love. Uh, we have spouses that we adore. And we have kids that we want to give everything we can to. But with all the relationships that we have, there is something that still does not take the place of that one relationship that we value and that we need so much desperately than what we have. And yet many times we throw all of our efforts into a friendship and all of our efforts in, into a family and all of our efforts into our spouses. And we ought to do that. Don't misunderstand. But even when it's all said and done, there's still something lacking. There's still something missing on the inside. As Christians, we should always have an extended family. And that's the church. 
We build our relationships among ourselves. We need each other. I need you. Hopefully you need me. We need each other today. But even with that, you cannot be a substitute for me for the God Almighty that I need in my life. And I cannot be the crutch for you or the substitute for you for the God that you need within your life. That's not saying we don't love the Lord. That's not saying you stay with me. I'm too holy to talk to you. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is we need a balance. But we also need to press on in more and more and more with God. In all due respect, I'm tired of the status quo tonight uh, that many times I find myself in today. Uh, it, it's, an, uh, it's, not an, it's not necessarily an, unplatter, an, un, an unhealthy thing. And what I mean by that, I find joy in what I do. I find joy in my relationships. I find joy in my family. I find joy in life that he's given me. But that's not enough. It's not enough. Am I talking to myself? Am I crazy up here? You know what I'm talking about? It's not enough. There is something more, something richer, something deeper. The hot dog was good, but it didn't fulfill. I love you all, but you're not enough for me. I love the church, but it's not enough for me. I love my family. I love my friends. I love what I do, but it's not enough for me. There's something way down in here that's reaching way up out there for something more. It can't be found in things. It can't be found in entertainment. It can't be found in relationship. It can only be found in that secret chamber with the living God where he breathes down upon us and fills the void and the emptiness deep down on the inside. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen overnight. But I'll tell you one thing. When God begins to churn and God begins to stir, if we don't take that invitation, we find ourselves going in the opposite direction and we get more unrestful and we get more miserable and we get more grouchy and we get more irritable because as he's calling to us, if we do not respond to that call, we walk away from him and we make life a living hell for the people that's around us. And yet many times when we have that, uh, when we have that, holy, dis, that, that holy discomfort, if, if I called it, uh, there within our spirit, many times people leave churches because they're looking for something else somewhere else. When in reality, God may be directing that direction, don't misunderstand, but God may be calling us to a deeper depth, a deeper walk, a deeper intimacy with him. That's what it's all about. If I gain the whole world and I lose Jesus, I've got nothing. If I gain every financial accolade that money can buy and I don't have Jesus, I don't have nothing. If I make the national championship in football, which I wanted to do, can you imagine five foot, four inches tall, 140 pounds soaking wet? That's a lot of pounds ago. Played football, captain of the football team, played center and linebacker. I still hold the record in our district after all these years of the smallest center in the history of our district. And my coach signed my annual to a 140-pound senior with a 200-pound heart. Oh, I wanted to go to VPI and just tear him up up there and then old Don Shula would be impressed with me and go play for Miami Dolphins. It didn't happen. See, they had a winning season, so they didn't draft me. Be hit. That wouldn't have brought happiness. It wouldn't have brought fulfillment. It's what we do for Jesus. It's not so much working for him, but oh, allowing him to work in us. 
allowing Him to work in us. Beloved, that void is there. That emptiness is there. And we often fill it with friends, with people, with hobbies, with money, with career, with this, with that, and the other. Nothing can take the place of that intimacy with Jesus Christ. Yes, I do things that brings joy and pleasure, even satisfaction, but it's not enough. Not enough to quiet that restlessness in my soul. Not enough to give us that sense of legacy. Not enough to give us that sense of destiny or of significance that every human being is wired for. In fact, it even happens not just among laity, but among clergy as well. And that's the fact that there's that un, unrelentless restlessness in our heart. Oh, if I could just be a pastor, if I could just be a preacher, if I could just be a missionary, if I could just be an evangelist, I'd reach, oh, I'd be so happy. No, you wouldn't. Because if we do all those things at the expense of not spending time with Him, if we do all these things without giving it all to Him, we're going to be just as miserable as we were before Amen. we started. I'm just talking tonight. God has allowed me to do a lot of traveling overseas for the last 40 years. I made numerous trips to Africa. I've gone to several places in, in, in Mexico and different places. We've taken teams here and been part of teams to Romania, to the Ukraine, to Spain. I'm going to tell you, I've gone to Africa and I spent three months one time. The food was raunchy. The water was terrible. The people stunk. I'm being honest. There's a body odor. We put on deodorant. They thought we stunk. That's the truth. We ate stuff. I didn't know what it was. Didn't ask. But that night they chased that old big rat. I said, I think I'm not staying for dinner. We had monkey. We had horse. We had a lot of goat. Had a lot of foo-foo. Had a lot of stuff. I didn't know what it was. Deprived of all the modern day luxuries. Not a good place to sleep at night. Mosquitoes were big enough to bite you. And I say, I pray they bite me. They'll leave saying there's power in the blood. That's what I was hoping. They'd suck you dry. I didn't have anything that Americans had. As a matter of fact, it was more of a culture shock coming back to America, literally after three months, than it was going to Africa to begin with. Brother Shelton, your daughter went on that trip to Africa for three months. I just recall that. She was on that trip. That was a long time ago. But I'm going to tell you something. Without water, without electricity, without good food, without good lodging, I was more content there because I was thrusted into a place, a season with God, where I relied totally on Him for everything I did. It was some of the loneliest days of my life. I've been in Africa all by myself many times since that trip and had nothing. The, the, the bit of electricity I had would go out. And you take your little, little flashlight and, and the bugs were walking across the room with, with your shoe. You think I'm crazy? I mean, the lights go out, bugs, like you wouldn't believe, come from everywhere. Lonely, 
depressing. But the presence of God was so real. You know why? Because I gave myself to prayer and to the reading of the Word of the living God. He was everything I needed during that time. I'm not saying we be hermits and go back to the way it used to be. But what I'm saying, God has blessed us so much. We need to tool out time every day to give our time, our life, our being to Him and not just take the blessings that He gives our way. Life consists not of the abundance of things that we possess. I've experienced what many of us are going through right now, restlessness. A deep sense of wanting something to be fulfilled in my life. There's something in each and every one of us that we need to be part of something bigger. Something more powerful, something more lasting, something more fulfilling. A lasting greatness, as some people have often called it. We aspire to a life of greatness. We want that greatness, a lasting greatness. But here's the problem. Last year's hero is forgotten from today's hero. That career and that job where you get your identity and where I get mine, the day we're gone, within minutes our names are off the office door, it's replaced by somebody else. Those children to whom we have given our lives and they revolved around us, they need us less and less each and every year of our life. The excitement of getting everything you want is soon fades away. And all the time that you've given to the company and all the time you've given to the job and all the sacrifices you've made for that place of business, the day you die, the head honcho may come look in that casket and say, my, 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 all dressed up, nowhere to go. Don't he look natural? Because we can be replaced. But that which we do for Jesus and that time that we spend in his presence is never, ever wasted. Amen. It's not just what I do for him. It's what I can do with him. It's not just the fact that I, I want to work for him. That within itself is not always satisfying. It's the fact of being with him. Paul said that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Of uh, the psalmist, oh, that I may know him. That's the greatest thing we aspire to tonight is knowing who he is and what he wants of our life. Too many times we do things, say, oh, God bless it. I can't operate that way. I want to know what God is blessing so I can do it. I need the mind of God. I want the heart of God. When his heart beats, I want to be there with it. I read in the Old Testament, God gave a dream. God spoke. God lived. Let me ask you a question. How in the world did God speak to Abraham out of all that ungodliness and all those gods they worshiped? How in the world did God speak to Abraham to lead him out of that place? A polytheistic society. And he listened to the monotheistic God. I'm going to tell you, God is desiring to speak. But we have got to have an ear that's tuned into him and not tuned in to CNN or Fox, but tuned in to the Almighty God. This comes to mind. I shared it a few years ago, but this comes to mind. Uh, there was a, back in the day when... Uh, 
people were trying to get jobs and jobs were hard to find and the telegraph people were, were hiring. And there were several people signed up to be the telegraph operator, maybe a railroad, whomever, I can't remember, it's irrelevant. But I mean, that room was packed out for people wanting to get the job to be a telegraph operator. And they sat in that room and they waited and they waited and there was music coming through the loudspeakers uh, there within that place where all those men were seated. And finally, one man got up and walked right back in the back and said, I want the job. And he says, you're hired. Came back out and the man, uh, uh, the man said, hey, you men can go home. We just hired this guy. And they said, why did you give him a job? We, he wasn't invited back there. Uh, it's not fair. And they said, wait just a minute. As the music was playing on the telegraph, we had coming through the same speakers as the music on the telegraph we were typing out. The first man that hears this and comes back has the job. You all were tuned into the music, or you were tuned into each other, or you're bragging about how good you were, whatever. But one man had his ear attuned to the sound of the telegraph operator. I'm telling you, friend, in the midst where there's so many voices, we can hear the voice of a living God. We've got to hear the voice of a living God, and not just hear Him, but to obey Him as well. I've got to hurry. Our side of the status quo, if you tonight feel like you're in that status quo, and you feel like that your life is somewhat meaningless, and you feel like there's that void, if there is that holy discomfort, it could be the fact that God is the one that's stirring it. It could be the fact it's like a magnet wanting to draw you into the Holy of Holies, to draw you into the presence of God, to draw you into a deeper place than perhaps where you have ever been before. Our restlessness is actually a holy discontentment. In fact, it's likely that God's making you restless. Did you hear what he said in verse 3? And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger. He humbled you and suffered you to hunger. Why? Because he wants to feed us a manna that we've never been fed before. That's what he said here in the Word of God. God made them hungry for the powerful work he was about to do in their lives. And he may be certain of that same kind of appetite in you and me because he wants us so hungry for the more experience than what we have now. The more of what we've never had before. A taste of a glory that we've never tasted before. To go into the holy place where we've never been before. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. When the kings of our life die... When the kings of our life die, it's then and only then that perhaps we can see the Lord high and lifted up. And once we see the Lord the way he wants us to see him, we'll be like Isaiah, woe is me from a man of unclean lips and dwell among an unclean people. But he took the coal and the live hot coal touched his lips. May I tell you something? the touch of God may be painful to the flesh. Yes. I said the touch of God may be extremely painful to the flesh. The flesh dies hard. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. But when he was touched, here I am, Lord, send me. And then once he went, he had the goods with him when he went.
You know, it's so easy to work for the Lord that we fail to spend time with the Lord. And then when we're working for the Lord, we have nothing to give because we've not been with Him. I remember as a young pastor, I was, I was so busy. Man, I was busy. And I think sometimes busy, B-U-S-Y, brought under Satan's yoke. Is that a good acronym? Brought under Satan's yoke. I was on my way to the hospital. It was like the Lord said, where are you going? I said, we're in the hospital. What for? To visit so-and-so and visit so-and-so. And in my heart, I heard him say, what are you taking with you? I said, I have nothing, God. I'm empty. I'm running on empty. It's so easy to work for him that we fail to spend time with him. And when we spend time with him, what we do for him, we really make all the difference in the world. There's a, there, there is a healthy Jesus-following crowd that has that incurable restlessness and that pain, that agony, whatever you may be feeling, may be very much God calling you and me into a deeper depth than we've ever been before. In Philippians, the Bible tells me in Philippians chapter 3, real quickly, and I close with this. Now, as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended in Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing to do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before. If you're one of those that are spiritually restless tonight, there's some good news. Restlessness usually precedes a powerful touch of God upon our lives. Would you let that soak in? Restlessness usually precedes a powerful touch of God upon our lives. But here's the clincher. If we don't let that be a magnet pulling us toward Him, we will repel against Him and go the opposite way, and then we'll become angry and bitter and hurtful, and the list goes on and on because there's nothing that can take the place of Him calling us to Himself. God has made you hungry so He can feed you with something much better, much bigger, and more fulfilling. So that stirring inside is a spiritual summons from the Lord. I want to tell you something. I, I may be totally wrong, and, and you theologians can straighten me out. I don't think God has favorites. I don't think God loves some more than He loves others. But I do believe that God can place His hands on individuals and call them out into an inner circle, much the same way as He did Peter, James, and John from the other twelve, and thrust them into an inner circle. And He will put such a jealous love upon those individuals that others may be able to do things and get away with it, not sinful. But they can do things and get away with it, but He won't let you or me do it because there's something of His glory. There's something of His presence. There's something of His anointing. There's something of Him that He wants to make a holy deposit in your life or mine. Do you sense that holy summons tonight? Do you sense that restlessness within you? And you thought, I don't know what it is. It could very well be the magnet that God is using to draw you into you. It could be He's made you hungry. He's made, He's humbled you in order that be a magnet to draw you into deeper depths and higher heights. For after all, deep crieth unto deep.